I remember being at an event in San Francisco and there was like a thousand people there. And the thought of speaking in front of a thousand people at that time made me want to vomit. But I was like, okay, I'm not the presenter. I don't know when and if I'll ever be up in front of a thousand people speaking. But they asked if people had questions in the audience and I immediately raised my hand. And I did have a question, but my ulterior motive was, I want to stand up and speak in front of this group of people and just notice what does that feel like? And mm. I asked the question and mm. I was nervous and my hand was shaking a little bit, but then it was like, so, okay, I didn't die. And I felt that. So maybe I could do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, as simple a, as it sounds. Welcome to Super Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Shahid Durrani. Today we have with us Mike Robbins. He's an author, speaker, coach, and podcaster who delivers keynotes and seminars in person and virtual to groups of all kinds throughout the world. Some of his clients include Google, Wells Fargo, eBay, Gap, Adobe, Schwab, Microsoft, Genentech, Airbnb, and the San Francisco Giants. Welcome to our show, my friend. Thanks for having me, Shahid. It's great to uh, be here with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. It's impressive. How did you get into keynote speaking? It was a journey. So I grew up here in the U.S. where I still live. I live in California, and I actually played baseball all growing up and was really into it, was pretty passionate about it. I got drafted right out of high school by the New York Yankees, one of our pro baseball teams. Didn't end up signing a contract with the Yankees because I got a chance to play baseball in college at Stanford University. Went there, then I got drafted by another pro baseball team here in the US called the Kansas City Royals, and I did sign a pro contract. And I ended up going into what's called the minor leagues. You have to work your way up to get to the major leagues, and I got injured. When I was 23 years old, after starting baseball when I was seven and two years, three surgeries later, I was forced to retire from baseball. So now I'm 25 and I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with my life. I get a job working for a tech company. It's the late nineties. It's the sort of dot-com boom time. Yeah. Do that for a few years. Looks like that's going to you know go well. And then the dot-com bubble burst and I lose my job. So now I'm 26, almost 27 out of work don't really know what to do, broke. But I had this sort of secret fantasy all those years I was playing baseball, especially by the time I got to college and was playing professionally, was that I wanted to speak and I wanted to try to motivate people with, I don't know, my story or anything that I'd learned along the way. I wasn't, I hadn't become a famous athlete, so people didn't know who I was. But I found out at that time, which I didn't really know, that there was this whole world of professional speaking and coaching was starting to become more of a thing. And I thought you had to write a book and get on TV and which definitely helps and something that I ultimately did. But I just decided back in 2001, I had just met my wife who I've been with for all these years and she had started her own business and she was like, you can do this. So I decided that I was just going to put myself out there as a speaker and a coach and see if I could start writing and see what would happen. It was quite, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And it was really lean in those early years, especially that first year. I figured some things out and got some mentors and was able to work my way into the business, if you will. And 23 yeah. years later and five books, and here I am talking to you about it today. 
That's awesome. Do you recall the, the first day that when you went up on stage to speak? Uh-huh. Yes. How was that? Yes. The, the way that I started, so basically what I decided to do, people were telling me, go back to school, get a degree in psychology or organizational development or whatever. And I like to learn. I've always liked to learn, but I never loved school. So I was like, I don't want to go back to school. If I have to, I will, but I'd rather not have to go get a degree or anything. What I decided to do was what I called design my own curriculum, which meant I was going to take a year and I was going to learn as much as I could, read books and take workshops and talk to people who were doing this kind of work. And at the end of the year, if I didn't have a business going, I'd probably be broke. I maybe would be in debt. But if I'd gone to school, those things were going to be true anyway. And so to your question of my first speaking engagement, I decided to reach out to a lot of people that I knew and just let them know, hey, I'm starting this business. And the first engagement that I had was actually at my old high school. One of my buddies I'd played baseball with was now teaching at the high school, and he had me come and talk to all the student athletes. So it was very unceremonious, but I basically spoke to a bunch of high school athletes sitting in the bleachers out, out behind the school near the, the, the track and the football field. But I decided, though, I was going to relate to all of these opportunities I might get to speak. As Someone told me the way to become a professional speaker is give 100 free talks. And by the end of that time, mm. someone will pay you. So I had a little notebook and I, I gave a talk at my high school. I gave a talk at the Rotary Club. I gave a talk and my plan was to do 100 for free until someone would pay me. And I think it was number 11 or 12 that I actually got paid. And when I got paid to do it, I was like, oh, that was just as interesting and just as nerve wracking as when I didn't get paid. So maybe I should just get, start asking for money. And that's how I started getting paid to speak. When you go into an event and speak, it's something that you already have it rehearsed, or is it just on the fly? These days, now that I'm 23 years into this and I've been doing it for a long time and I have, I've written all these books and I have a lot of material, I go in with a pretty good sense of what the group needs or what's going on. Because a lot of the groups I work with, they're senior leaders or they're salespeople or they're in customer service or depending on the organization that they're in and the role that whatever's going on. So I like to know a bit about what's happening in the company, what's happening for people, what, what are the themes of the event. And with that, then I take some of the material that I've developed, the content that I've developed over the years, and I craft it. But my style has always been, I'm a storyteller. For years and years, I never used slides. Some of it was because I was really bad at making slides. And also because I like <laughs> to be up there and just have the freedom to talk about whatever I felt moved to talk about. Because for me, some of it actually comes in the interaction with the group. If there's 5,000 people in a room, it's hard because I'm just, it's very one way. But if there's 50 people, 100 people, 200, 300 people in the room, we can have a bit of a dialogue. So sometimes some ideas will get sparked from the interaction, from the discussion that I'm having with the group, or just for lack of a better way to describe it, it's like I can sense some mm -hmm. of the listening in the room, if you will. That, that's one of the things that made COVID so challenging on many levels, but for doing it on Zoom or doing it virtually, I found yeah. that to be way more challenging just because I couldn't see people and hear people and sense what was going on. I, I was able to figure it out, but it definitely took some time. Mm. So going up on stage, I assume it's nerve wracking. Any tips for anybody going up for the first time? Uh, what well, they could... I'll tell you a story. The first time I yeah. got paid to speak, right? 
So like yeah. I was sharing, I'd given some free talks and I met this woman at an event named Christine and Christine worked for a company called Sutter Health. Now Sutter Health is um, based here in California where I live. It's a medical centers, hospitals, all up and down the state of California. It's a pretty big company. And she told me that her job was to bring in, among other things, bring in speakers and trainers and outside people to help train their leaders and talk to people. And I thought, oh, great. She's a really good contact. And I was just getting started with my business. And I thought to myself, I'm going to hold on to her card. I'll stay in touch with her. But when I really get this business off the ground, maybe six months, maybe a year from now, I'm going to reach out to her and pitch her on, hey, maybe I could come in and speak at Setter Health. So about three weeks after we met at this event, I get a frantic call from her. Oh, Mike, I'm so glad I got you on the phone. Listen, I have a problem. She's, we have a hospital in Sacramento. It's called Sutter Medical Center. Their CEO has a big meeting for all of his managers next week. And he called me freaked out because his speaker just canceled. So I told him, don't worry, I got a great guy. She's like, I gave him your name and your number. He's going to call you, but do me a favor. Don't tell him that I've never heard you speak because I told him you were awesome, right? So now I'm like on the phone with Christine and I'm excited about this, but I want to tell her, no, I'm not ready for this. I'm not like, I just started doing this, I'm just, but I don't say that. She's like, I got to run into a meeting. You'll be great. Let me know how it goes. And she gets off the phone and now I'm like excited, but panicked. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy's going to call me. And the first thing he's going to ask is, who have you spoken for? And I'm going to say Skyline High School and the Mill Valley Rotary Club. It's not going to be very impressive. But I decided to myself, I'm not going to lie to this man. But I also decided if he doesn't ask, I'm not saying anything. And he calls me up and he doesn't ask where else I've spoken. We just start talking about life and leadership and teamwork and baseball. Turns out he's a big baseball fan. So we talk, we have a long conversation about sports. He's really impressed with my sports background. And at the end of the conversation, he decides to pay me to come and speak six days later to give a 90 minute presentation on the keys to creating a championship team. And I get off the phone and I'm simultaneously excited, but now terrified because I do not have a 90 minute presentation on the keys to creating a championship team, but I just got hired and I have six days to come up with it. So I spend the next six days writing down stories and reading things and coming up with quotes. I don't even remember exactly. I remember being really nervous and trying to figure out how do I craft this speech for these 200 hospital managers that I know nothing about their life and their work. And I show up to the meeting it's in Sacramento, which is about two hours from where I was living at the time in San Francisco. And I, I decided I'm going to get there early. It's a day-long meeting. I'm speaking at the end of the day, 3.30 to 5 in the afternoon, not the best spot. And I walk into the room, and I'm 27 years old at the time. And I get in there, and I, I look around. I'm the youngest person in the room, from what I can tell. And now I'm like even more nervous. The CEO meets me. This is in the days. There's no Zoom. There's no, we're just talking on the phone. I don't even have a website. He's never seen a photo of me. He looks at me and I can see the look in his face. Who is this kid that I hired to speak to my people? So as it gets closer to my time, I'm getting more nervous. By the time it comes for him to introduce me, I'm so nervous. I'm standing in the back of the room and I'm literally like holding onto a chair because my heart's racing so much. My legs are shaking. I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to walk up to the front without falling over. But I do, I walk up to the front, I turn around and I'm like out of my mind nervous. And I tell some story, I had decided how I was going to start the thing. And about five minutes into it, I'm calming down a little bit, but I decide to actually have the group pair up with each other, which is one of my little techniques. Get them to talk to each other if you get really nervous or don't know what the heck to say, because they'll have things to say to each other. And then I start to take a few breaths and I start to calm down. And then it actually starts to go pretty well. 
And I remember when I was preparing, 90 minutes at that time seemed to me like 90 hours. Like, how was I possibly going to fill that much time? But there was a big clock on the back of the wall in the room. And I remember looking at it when I had about 10 minutes left. And I thought to myself, this is going okay. I wonder if these people have any idea. I've never really done this before, not in this context. And I get done. And it's one of those moments, Shahid, you have those moments in life where you do something, you're impressed with yourself. And I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. But what was interesting is I drove home and people were saying nice things and it seemed to go well. And the CEO was happy. And I was like, wow, I did that. That was cool. I want to do that again. I want to do that more. I want to get better at that. And as I was driving home that day, as excited as I was, I kept thinking to myself, what did I do? What did I do? How did I do that? And how can I do that again? And, and the only three things I could come up with, the first thing I realized was I tried to just be myself. Even though I was really nervous, I tried to just be me. Don't try to be someone that I'm not. The second thing I tried to do was talk about what I know about. So I told a lot of stories from my own life, from my own experience. At that point, at 27, I talked a lot about my years playing sports. I talked a bit about the couple of years I spent in sales. And then the third thing I tried to do was just connect with the audience like on a human level. Because even though they were all older than me and I didn't know much about, I still don't know much about working in a hospital, even though I've now spoken to a lot of groups of folks in, in the medical world. I just tried to connect with them as human beings because I was like, yeah, they're different than me and they do different things and they're older and they have different experiences. But I think we have a lot of things in common as human beings. And all these years later, I've probably given, I don't know, 3,000 presentations since then. Those are the same three things that I think about. Be yourself, be myself, right? Talk about what I know about and connect with people on a human level. And for anyone listening, if you have presentations to give, whether it's in person or virtual or hybrid, whether there's five people or 500 people, I feel like those are three of the most important things. Be yourself, talk about what you know about, and try to connect with people on a human level. Depending on a group, it could also be a hindrance, but it's such a great way to have that within. You feel safer, right? You feel yeah. more at ease when you have those three. Totally. And I think, look, a lot yeah. of entrepreneurs, and you know this, and I imagine people listening to the show, you know, I, there's so much focus on the business, on the product, yeah. on the service, on what we're doing. And that's important, right? But at the end of yes. the day, and even with all the technology that we have and all the ways we have to communicate and scale and post things and share things, to me, business still comes back to human interactions, getting people to trust you. And again, if you're an mm. entrepreneur and you want to raise money you want to get mentors and advisors and people on board to really support you as you grow your business, that's going to have a lot to do with you. And of course, the idea has to be valuable, right? There has to be something mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. But if you're not able to communicate it and you're not able to connect with people, it's going to be very difficult for you to grow the business and get it to where you want it to be. And that's a lot of times you see a lot of small businesses that grow. There's usually, especially in Silicon Valley, like near where I live, there's usually the business person and the tech person and the, the tech person that can go deep into the technology and what's going on and the business person who can go tell the story. It's essentially like a, a salesperson and a tech person. Now, that's not always the case. And in some businesses, and I work with and talk to a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs, maybe it's just one or maybe there's three or four of you or whatever, but figuring out who has different strengths and leveraging those strengths, but especially on the communication side, it's really important. And in today's world, storytelling can be done in so many different ways. And again, mm -hmm. people are wonderful in the way they utilize 
Instagram and TikTok and all of these other platforms and technology, but there still comes down to there has to be a human or a group of humans who can connect with other humans in an effective way so that people know about what's going on. Mike, public speaking is one of my goals as well. And I had a guest on the show. He said it was his as well, one of his goals as well. What he did is he just started putting it out there that, hey, I'll talk for free. I'll come in, I'll share, I'll add value. And he said, when I started doing that, people started contacting me. All he did was he just went there and be one with everyone. And he was just thinking that he was at a a, a get together with friends and just chit chatting and sharing his point of view. Uh, with passion. So I started putting it out there too. So just telling people that, hey, I'll do it just to give it a try because it's something that is out of my comfort zone. And that's something that I work on is always trying to get out of my comfort zone. And I like the way that when I asked you about how it was, that was a coaching moment as well, because you explained with a story. Yes. You were actually sharing the answer, but with a story. And that's what I was gathering from it. And then also what I noticed is the enthusiasm. (laughs) So is that something you worked on to be enthusiastic or was that natural? Because enthusiasm added excitement to me. I was more focused in what you were (laughs) saying because of that uh, uh, enthusiasm. First of all, thank you. I appreciate the feedback. I would say a couple things. I am some, I'm a pretty naturally enthusiastic person just by okay. nature. That mm-hmm. said though, look, 23 years being a motivational speaker, there are definitely times when I get up on stage or I get on a podcast interview or I'm not feeling that excited. I'm not feeling that motivated. I'm not like other human beings, all of us, right? I go through hard things. We've had challenges in our family and our marriage in the world financially. Otherwise, whatever, there's stuff going on. But one Mm. of the things that I learned early on about enthusiasm and energy, as well as humor, that one of my biggest fears when I first started speaking is like, I'm not that funny. I don't tell jokes. I'm not like a ha ha stand up comedian, you know, and I would watch speakers and I'm like, that person's really funny. I'm not that funny. What I found was humor comes from being present. Humor comes from telling stories. Humor comes from connecting with other humans. And I would speak and I would notice there would be laughter and I would try to pay attention. Where's the laughter coming from? Because I'm not telling jokes, but the laughter would come from if I would tell a story that was relatable, usually there was a funny part of the story. And it would also come from interacting with people in the group. Someone would say something, I would say something back. And if I was present enough to respond, a lot of times people in the audience would say stuff that was funny. And then everybody would be be laughing and then they'd come up to me after and they're like, you're so funny. And I'm like, I didn't really say anything funny. We just were talking about being human and some of the challenges and some of whatever. So the thing though, when I coach people on public speaking, I always say this, if you're not having any fun, they're not going to have any fun. If you're not excited, you're always the ceiling. So as ever, I can't get people to be as excited or enthusiastic as I am necessarily. But I can, if I'm not excited, if I'm like, there was this one time when I was talking and it was interesting, then that's, <laughs> that's as excited as everybody else can get. So it yeah. becomes, right, you become the ceiling. And you got to be it's careful. Energy, you don't wanna, right? It's energy. You don't want to be over the top and too super annoying, yeah. right? Because then you blow people yeah. out and they're like, this person's weird. But you, <laughs> right? But, and the truth is like, it, it's, you also have to be able to- No, but well, you're funny though. 
<laughs> <You're>, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Part of it, and thank you for saying that, over the years, yeah. I would say that my humor has developed around just getting more in touch with my own personality. And like, I try to talk, you and I are talking here on a podcast, it's just a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So this is normal, hey, if we were hanging out at a restaurant or a bar or whatever. But when I'm on stage in front of people, I actually try to bring that same level of conversationalism to it, mm -hmm. if you will, that I'm just talking to, and one of the techniques I learned early on was to talk to one person at a time. Oh, because again, unless yes. you're in a room, unless you're in a room of thousands of people where the lights are bright in your face and you can't see people, you can always see people. And the thing is, it's way easier to talk to one person than it is to talk to 10 people or 50 people. Because you try to talk to 50 or 100 people, you get overwhelmed and stressed out. It's, who do I look at? What's happening? They're judging me. But if you talk to one person, if I make eye contact with you in the audience, and that was one of the early techniques I learned about calming myself down when I would first start, I would stand up. I still do this, but I do it so intuitively, I don't even think about it anymore. I walk out on stage or up in front of the room, however big or small the room is. I put my feet flat on the ground, on the floor before I say anything. I take a breath and I look at one human being in the audience, usually someone who's smiling at me or seems friendly, not the person who's like scowling at me or staring at their phone. <laughs> I look at them and I say the first thing that I'm going to say right to them. And I usually start by asking a question. Like, I will ask the question sometimes, how many of you have ever been part of a team or leading a team where the talent on the team was good, but the team didn't perform very well together? And then I raise my hand because that goes into my story about my years of playing baseball and I got hurt, but then I learned that it wasn't just about having the best players. It was about really being a team. And then that, so that I start with a question, I tell a story. And now what I've done is I've invited the audience into, they know a little bit about me, but I've made it relatable to them because I start with a question about them. Mm -hmm. And hopefully by the end of that story, I've looked at a few people and talked directly to them. I'm a little more calm because even 23 years into doing this and I love it and I'm pretty good at it. I'm still nervous when I start, like my body's still doing its thing and I got to, calm my mind and my body down so that I can be present in order to really engage. So back to your question from earlier, I'm not super scripted myself because for me, that makes me too uptight and too rigid. So I usually know what I'm going to say and where I'm going to go, but I often will sometimes just throw in a story here and a story there that I wasn't expecting because I leave enough room that I just always tell the meeting or event planner, just let me know what time you need me to be done. Or I have a little, they have a little clock counting me down up front because, and I have some slides, but it's not, if you followed me around and watch me speak and give five presentations, you'd hear some of the same stories and hear some of the same themes, but they'd be different because to me, that also makes it more interesting. So I'm more present and more enthusiastic. If, it's, if I'm getting up and I'm doing the same speech from top to bottom, then I feel like a politician who's just giving a stump speech and that's not what I got mm -hmm. into this for. Yeah. That's great. Mike, can you share a tip or a recommendation to someone that's looking to get into public speaking, what they can do to improve their communication skills? Look, as simple as it sounds, like it's just speak. The more you can do it, the more reps you get. And there are groups, again, it always depends on what are you, like entrepreneurs that I talk to sometimes are wanting to speak to promote their business, to 
get more customers, more followers, more whatever it is. M myself, like I literally, my business is speaking. So the thrust of what I do, we do consulting and I write books and have other content. I have a podcast and all this stuff, but the center of my business is speaking. Like I get paid to speak. That's the primary revenue mm -hmm. generator of our business. Now, not everybody's going to be a professional speaker necessarily, but the first question when people come to me and say, I want to speak more, I'm, I always ask why, what, what is it that you're wanting to do? Do you want to get paid to do it? Are you wanting to promote something? Are you simply just wanting to be a better communicator and storyteller? Because depending on what the reason for doing it is, that can also lend itself to figuring out how much time and energy and effort do I want to invest in this? But the best way to get better at speaking is to speak. And so like in the early days for me, when I was starting my business, now again, I was wanting to do it as a business. So I want to get paid, but the business side of it is separate than the sort of art and communication side of it. And what I knew was that I wanted as much experience speaking as possible. So literally like anywhere I would go, if I was at an event to see someone else speak or something or whatever, I would raise my hand or walk up to the microphone. And yeah, because I had a question I wanted to ask, but I literally wanted to hear my voice on the microphone and speak in front of groups of people, even sometimes if I felt scared or intimidated. Mm. Like I remember being at an event in San Francisco and there was like a thousand people there. And the thought of speaking in front of a thousand people at that time made me want to vomit. But I was like, okay, I'm not the presenter. I don't know when and if I'll ever be up in front of a thousand people speaking. But they asked if people had questions in the audience and I immediately raised my hand. And I did have a question, but my ulterior motive was, I want to stand up and speak in front of this group of people and just notice what does that feel like? And mm. I asked the question and mm. I was nervous and my hand was shaking a little bit, but then it was like, so, okay, I didn't die. And I felt that. So maybe I could do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, as simple a, as it sounds. Yeah. Great point. Go to events and just raise your hand to ask a question, get right. the hang of the mic in a big groups. Totally. Look, even though yeah. look, podcasting is different than public speaking in the sense of like being in front of groups, you have a podcast. Yeah. There are so many different ways nowadays we can podcast, we can go on social media live. And again, is that different than if you're speaking to a group? Sure. But it gives you more reps and more opportunities. And the truth mm. is you could record something, post it, hate it, take it down. People often ask me about writing because I've been writing for years and I do not like writing nearly as much as I like speaking. But one of the ways that I learned how to write and got more comfortable writing was I started a blog. This was like 20 years ago when blogs were still a new thing. Yeah. But I would write articles and post them on my blog. Nobody was reading my blog. It was like you had, except for me and my mom and my girlfriend, but it was, it felt like a public journal in a way. So I was writing it knowing it was for an audience to be publicly consumed, even though I knew it was gonna be pretty anonymous because not that pe many people would be able to find it. But I, it, mm -hmm. it helped give me the discipline and the skill of writing. And again, nowadays with social media, there's so many ways for us to create content and put it out there in the world. Now, again, that is different than presenting to a group of live humans in real time, but it does develop some of your ideas as well as your skill and ability to think about what do I want to say? Who am I saying it to? What's the value in this? And how do I hone... The one thing that I have done over the years too is I have probably 50 to 100 stories. Like that story that I told about my first speaking engagement, that's a real story. That's a true story. But I have told that story many times because it's relevant to things. And the more you tell a story, it, the, the better you get at telling it. 
it's, in in families, there's always the everyone starts rolling their eyes. Dad's telling that story again. You yeah. can imagine in my, <laughs> in my family. But when you know you yeah. hear your dad tell that story for the fiftieth or hundredth time about how he met your mom or whatever, it's oh, it's probably mostly true. Although maybe he's adding a few little pieces to make it more interesting. But he's told the story so many times that it's now something that he's really comfortable telling. And that's what you yeah. have to do as a speaker is you do have to have a series of sort of signature stories that prove the points or make the points you're trying to make and get comfortable telling those mm -hmm. stories. Thank you so much. You shared a lot of information and just you speaking, you gave <laughs> enough to people what they can grab from it, your style, the learning curve, how you went through the stages and just that nervous feeling of going on a stage. Appreciate your time today, and thank you so much for coming on our show. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. My pleasure.